thinking about your next career move in research and development? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that's investing £20 billion in R&D over the next two years. The nation that's home to four of the world's top research universities. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Live from the BBC, The Naked Scientists. Well, a very good evening to you. Welcome to this week's edition of The Naked Scientists with me, Dr Chris Smith, and with Dr Katani. Hello. We're here stripping down science live on BBC Local Radio across the eastern counties. And tonight we have in store for you a forensics extravaganza because right across East Anglia we'll be bringing you radio's first live DNA fingerprinting race. More on that in just a second. But also we'll be looking at the science of forensics. How do the police use science to solve crimes? And here to help us do that from Essex Police is DI Alan Cook. Good evening, Alan. Good evening, Chris. Thanks for joining us on the programme. And we'll also be looking at how archaeologists can look into the saying, you are what you eat, because Tamsin O'Connell is here from Cambridge University's Archaeology Department. Good evening, Tamsin. Hi, Chris. And she works on what's left of you after many years have gone by and winds back the clock to find out how what you ate can be, can be passed on and found out from an analysis of your bones and other bits and pieces left behind in the soil. So if you have any questions for either of those two, get calling now, 08459 25 2000, or email me, chris, at nakedscientist.com. Yeah, and uh, if you've got any questions on anything else, science, technology, medicine, we want to hear from you now. And also, if you phone in, you get a go at the quiz, Science Fact or Science Fiction, where we ask you questions, you tell us if they're true or if we just made them up. And the prizes this week are absolutely fantastic. We've got a family ticket for a film down at the IMAX cinema in London. Now, this is huge, big screen, massive sound system thing, and 3D as well, so that's really worth winning. And also, the lovely Anne at sciencesleuth.co.uk has given us... A magnifying glass, which apparently is mega, magnifying, magnifying glass. It makes your eyes look about six feet across if exactly. you look at someone using it. Yeah, my friend borrowed my binoculars to go on safari. He said all the animals were really, really tiny. The Naked Scientist Podcast, brought to you by thenakedscientist.com. I mentioned earlier that tonight we're doing live on the radio, we think, anywhere in the world for the first time, a DNA fingerprinting race. And here to tell us more about it from BioRad, the company that have helped us to set this up, is Melanie Hanna. Good evening, Melanie. Hi, Chris. So tell us what's going on. Well, someone here at the Naked Scientist has criminally smelly socks. They were found in the dressing room, uh, the changing room, rather, this week, and no one's owning up to uh, to, uh, having that bad-smelling feet. My money's on cat. It's not me. Well, what we've got is we've got six schools in in the region who are going to take part in this DNA fingerprinting activity, and they've each gotten DNA from the crime scene, so from the smelly socks, and we've taken DNA from uh, five suspects, five of the naked scientists who've been seen going into the changing room this week. Uh, The suspects are Anna is our suspect number one. Chris, you're suspect number two. I'm on the list. It's got to be him. You think? And uh, suspect three is Petro. Uh, suspect four is Holly, and Cat, uh, you're suspect five. No, uh, you are on the list. <laughs> I knew it. So uh, what our uh, schools are going to be doing is they've got DNA samples. They're going to be calling in during the show, telling us how they're carrying out the experiment. They're going to cut up DNA, and then they're going to look at the profiles of the DNA. So that, that barcode pattern that you see, they want to match up the crime scene, da- crime scene DNA from what, to one of the five suspects. 
Okay, just to, as a quick rundown, we have representing BBC Essex over in Essex, Daniel, who's at Billericay School. We'll be talking to him shortly. In Hertfordshire, representing BBC Three Counties Radio, we have at, at uh, Bradley, he's at Astley Cooper School. Uh, we have in Suffolk, Mildenhall College of Technology's Elise, and we'll be talking to her on, for a rundown as to how they're getting on later. In Downham Market, representing Norfolk, Kiernan's waiting to talk to us. Representing BBC Radio Northamptonshire, uh, we have Southfield School for Girls' Georgina. And here in Cambridge, we have Parkside Community College's Meg, who will be talking to us later with a rundown too. So at, each, at various points during the show, we'll be going over to live to those schools to find out how the DNA race is going and for an update on what they're finding. And hopefully, before the hour is up, we will find out here, live on BBC Local Radio, for the first time ever, the real identity of a real criminal, this person who has environmentally unfriendly feet. Who is the foul-footed felon? Is it me? Is it Kat? Is it Anna? Is it Holly? Or is it Petro? Who do you think it's going to be? Perhaps we should have a little sweepstake. Give us a call, 08459 25 2000 if you want to back one of them. You never know, you might be in with a chance. If you'd like to have a go also at our competitions, science fact or science fiction, all you have to do is give us a call and uh, you can have a go at winning yourself tickets to the IMAX. That's where you get to wear those fantastic red and blue funny glasses because it's a 3D movie or you can win yourself a magnifying glass and look like a real super sleuth because we are, of course, talking about the science of forensics tonight. And we have from... Essex Police DI Alan Cook here to answer your questions about how the police use science to solve crime and from archaeology here at Cambridge Universities we have Tamsin O'Connell who's going to talk about you are what you eat in other words how what's left of you can tell us what you ate during your lifetime and perhaps where you came from and where you were doing that eating but before then let's go now over to Billericay and find out from Daniel how the procedures are going hi Daniel hi Chris How's it going down there in Billericay? Oh, I think it's really good. Everyone's enthusiastic and ecstatic and everyone's just really getting on with it. Oh, it certainly sounds like it. So uh, where are you doing the experiment? Where in the school have you turned into your fingerprinting lab? We're in our A-block lab. It's really nice and all the equipment's set up and it's really going well. OK. What does the equipment actually look like? Um, well, the DNA sample's in small plastic chest tubes yep. and we have a micro what's allowing us to transfer the enzymes. Okay, so you're you, so you've got these tubes of DNA, and you're then adding substances to the tubes of DNA. Yeah. Okay. Uh, obvious question here, Daniel. Um, who's going to win this? Oh, us, of course. And you say, of course, that very confidently. Why is that? Uh, well, because we use a lot of teamwork, and everyone's really enthusiastic and confident, and that's what the key to winning is. So, are you from a natural budding group of scientists there, or is this the first real time you've you've got into science at your school? Well, this is like the first real-time science tank as big as this, but we have many like really enthusiastic scientists who would love to do things like this. But if we could do this every day, it would be excellent. So for you, this could make a big difference to whether you become a scientist or not in the future? Yeah, well, I like, personally really enjoy science and I'm really interested in all areas. Uh, what about your mates? Yeah, they're all really good, like A-star students who... Oh, wow. Go for it. <laughs> OK, well, we're going to have to leave it there. Good luck. We, we have to let you get back to your fingerprinting experiment. Uh, good luck, and we'll hopefully be speaking to you later then. OK, see you. All right, thanks, Daniel. Bye. Dr Chris and Dr Cat live with you on The Naked Scientists on BBC Local Radio in the Eastern Counties. If you'd like to ask us a question, anything on science, technology and medicine, we are, of course, focusing this evening on forensics, though, 08459 25 or email me chris at nakedscientist.com. I have an email here from Steve Rish who says, Hi, Chris, just wanted to say hello from Chicago. I listen each week in the car on the way to school where I work as a teaching assistant. Thanks for putting together a great and hilarious show each week. So that's one from Chicago. We haven't had one there yet, have we, Cat? No, I've got one from Ohio, 
here as well. So people in America really picking up on the Naked Scientist, and that's through the podcast that you can get on uh, nakedscientist.com. And we've got Joe Tennant, and he says, I just started to listen to your programme via the internet. I think it's very good, and he's glad he has access to quality science shows to listen to at work. So I, I love the idea of people all over America listening to us while they should be working. I think that's great. Well, they're listening to us on their way to work as well, so that's, that's more fair, isn't that's it? That's true. Uh, Alan, got an email here for you. This one says it's, uh, they've had a call from Mr P Wignall, who's in Essex. That's your patch, I think you'll say. Uh, his query is, my wife's grandfather retired from the police force in 1947 and we have a photograph of him in his uniform with a truncheon. We also have a helmet and a truncheon in a case which hasn't been touched since. He says, the question is, could DNA be taken from the truncheon? Can they pay for it to be done? And the reason they're interested in this is they want to find out if the items they have really did belong to him and are the same as the one shown in the photograph. What do you think, Alan? I think in uh, this instance, Chris, it's actually going to be more like detective work that's actually going to uh, sort of prove whether or not these uh, actually belong to to his uh, relative. Um, I think after all this time, there's no real sort of chance of us actually um, sort of proving this, although I would say that uh, if these items actually came from a modern crime scene today, then there is actually something we could do uh, with them, in particular things like the sort of the, the hats and things like that where we can extract DNA from things like headbands. Um, but I think after all this time, it'd be more a question of popping the item along to the Essex Police Museum and seeing if they can actually match up the item from the period with the actual photograph. But, I mean, a major problem must be that it's possible that he could have touched that item and transferred his DNA to it, and it wasn't actually ever his. He merely contaminated it with DNA. This must be a problem you come across every day in your job. Absolutely, and I would imagine all the relatives and grandchildren that have sort of touched it and played with the item since. Cross-contamination is a major issue for us when dealing with DNA. Um, it's, you know, it, it's a great sort of thing, and it's uh, one of the best things in our toolbox, but uh, it does present its own problems. So after how many years can you still find DNA evidence? Does it break down quite quickly? Yes, I mean, whenever we're actually sort of recovering things from crime scenes, uh, uh, care and pre prevention of cross-contamination is, is a major issue, but also actually care of the exhibits once we've actually got them and the fact that we do need to get things into sort of fridges and freezers uh, to make sure that they can be preserved properly so scientists can then go on and look at them. The Naked Scientists, supported by the Wellcome Trust. We are, of course, conducting the radio's first live genetic fingerprinting race across East Anglia. That's never been tried before. Someone in The Naked Scientist has got foul feet, and we found the evidence of that in the form of a pair of socks abandoned in our changing rooms. No one will fess up to who it is, so we've taken DNA from the socks, and we've taken DNA from the five people we saw going into those changing rooms. I'm one of them. I don't think they're my socks. I'm pretty sure of that. But... The, the evidence doesn't lie. Of these six schools representing each of the radio stations in the eastern counties, they're racing now to try and be the first to reveal the true identity of the foul-footed felon. Right now, let's head over to Astley Cooper School, where Bradley's going to give us an update. Hi, Bradley. Hiya. So how's it going there, Astley Cooper? Fine, thanks. We're all doing really well. Uh, have you ever done anything like a genetic fingerprinting experiment in class before? No, no, it's all new to all of us. So tell us, um, what, what have you done so far to get the experiment to the stage you're at? Tell us about that. OK, well, we've got the um, DNA samples all laid out and we're using a micro pipette yeah. to add some of an enzyme to the, each of the DNA um, samples. So the DNA's in little pots? Yep. Yep. And so what's the idea behind adding the enzyme? Why are you doing that? 
Um, it cuts up the DNA in different places. So depending upon who you are, it cuts your DNA in a different place? Yeah, that's So it. that you get a different pattern of, of DNA sort of fragments? Yeah. Okay, so you've added the enzyme with that pipette thing. What are you doing next? Um, now we've got to put it in a water bath at yeah. 37 degrees. Oh, right. Why is that? Because 37 degrees is the average body temperature mm. and it's the optimum temperature for the enzymes to work in. Oh, right. So this makes sure that they do their job properly and chop the DNA up. Yeah, that's right. Excellent. And, and who's going to win? Oh, we're going to win, yep. Well, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. And good luck with the rest of the experiment. OK, thanks. You're listening to The Naked Scientists on BBC Radio in the Eastern Counties, and that was Bradley at Astley Cooper School giving us a fascinating rundown of what he's up to. I am so excited about this experiment. It's great. If you want to phone in, if you want to place a bet on who's got the smelliest feet, if you've got any questions for our guests, Tamsin on Ancient DNA or for Alan on the uh, Forensics of Policing, get calling in 08459 25 2000 or email us chris at nakedscientist.com. Quick question here for you, Tamsin, just come in. Uh, this one's actually from Portugal. It says uh, It's from Alfonso Guerra, who says, Hi from Portugal. Hi, Chris. I'm writing to say I love your podcast. I'm taking a degree in biology, and it's fantastic to hear the opinion of leading specialists about everything. I just wanted to ask one of the specialists from today's show, how can someone extract and sequence DNA from something that's been buried for centuries? Thanks very much. Keep up the good and interesting radio shows. Cheers from Portugal. Alfonso. Well, Chris, it's extremely difficult, uh, just what Alan has been saying about uh, cross-contamination. What you have to do is make sure that your sample is cleaned up um, and that nobody who is excavating it, you, you're not going to extract their DNA by accident. So what you actually do is bleach it uh, to get rid of all the DNA on the outside and then have to try and find some cells inside the sample that are uh, still whole and then you can break those open and extract the DNA. But in what ways does DNA actually Dam get damaged or deteriorate with time? Water is a real problem. Because um, it washes it away? Well, it, it just it helps to break down the bonds within the DNA, which eventually then washes it away, yes. Um, but also preservation of the protein and the whole sample uh, is a real problem. So we have to look for sort of well-preserved samples. Things like uh, mammoths found in the freezer, uh, the natural freezer in, in Russia in the permafrost are great. Um, things in the desert are an absolute disaster. In the desert, because of seasonal rain? Because of seasonal rain and just it being so dry means that the DNA gets broken down very easily as well. OK, let's have a quick chat to Robin, who's in Suffolk. Hello, Robin. Hello. Good evening. Welcome to The Naked Scientist. What's your question? My question concerns cold case files, and it's referred to, the, to your guest, the DI. Um, when you have a cold case file and there is DNA evidence that still exists on that uh, piece of clothing or whatever, how do they actually match these days, the DNA with the guilty suspect. Right, basically, um, there is a national DNA database uh, where offenders, um, when they come into police custody, we take uh, a sample of their DNA, it goes onto this database, and then we later sort of try and match scenes, uh, sort of stains from a crime scene to people on that database. Ah, right. Okay, that assumes, of course, that got the DNA on the database. Absolutely. If there's no DNA on the database, or unless we have a suspect, uh, then there'll be no match. Thank you very much indeed. Coming up shortly, Robin, we'll be talking to Professor Sir Alec Jeffries from the University of Leicester, and he is actually the guy who invented DNA fingerprinting, and so he's going to talk a little bit about that. OK. OK, thank you So he can help you out there. Do you want to have a go at the quiz? Yeah, why not? Okie dokie. First question. In fact, we're going to give you... Yeah, it's a sort of sudden death on this tonight because uh, the phone lines are busy. OK, and it's a short show because we've got so much to pack in. OK. Are you ready? Yep. 
Meteorology is the study of meteorites and comets. Is that fact or fiction? That's fiction. Yeah, sharp tonight. Yep, meteorologist is someone who studies the weather. Thank you. Well done. Brilliant. One other one. He's You're in, in the hat. You're yeah. in the lead. Okay. Could be off to the IMAX cinema, which is down in London. You get to go and see a 3D movie, and that's a family ticket. Or you can win yourself a magnifying glass and be a super sleuth like D.I. Allen, who's here on the programme this evening from Essex Police. If you'd like to call up and ask us any questions about science, technology and medicine, and especially about forensic science, and remember, we're talking about DNA, and we're talking about genetic fingerprinting, and we're also talking about uh, how archaeologists use science to work out what's gone before in the past. Call up 08459 25 2000 or you can send me an email on chris at nakedscientist.com. Right, let's head over to Elise, who is in Mildenhall, for a rundown on what's happening with our DNA fingerprinting experiment live. Hello, Elise. Hello. How's it going there? Perfectly. Perfectly? Perfectly. Blimey, that must be the, the, that must be a magic experiment if it's going perfectly. Yep, everything's going as planned. Okay, so just talk us through, what have you done so far? You've, you've, in, you've done the incubation step so far, have you? Yeah, we have. And uh, now you're into loading the DNA samples to run them out on the gel? Yep. So what does that actually look like? It's a colourless gel. It, it's kind of transparent, but not. Yep. And it's got numbers to it. Okay, and there's some little slots in it for you to stick yep. the samples in? Yep, well... Oh, yeah, wells. So, okay, you you took your digested DNA that's been in the water bath for a while, and then, so what did you do with it then? We then um, superpetted it into the wells after putting in marker. Oh, right, what, some coloured stuff so you can see where the DNA's going? Yep. Any inkling as to who the criminal might be yet? We think it might be number five. Hmm, we know which suspect that is, that's Dr Cat. Is it? Yeah, do you think, yeah, I've, I've had my suspicions about her feet for some time, Elise. Oh, have you? Yeah, so you might, yeah, maybe you're on the right lines there. Not sure, though. Can't, we, we don't want to sway, it, sway opinion yet, though. Yep. Elise, thanks very much for joining us. All right, okay, then. Good luck with the rest of it, and I uh, hope you're first through on the phone with whoever the, the culprit really is. Yep, okay, then. All right, see you later. Bye. Bye. Dr Chris and Dr Kat here with you live as the Naked Scientists on BBC Local Radio around the Eastern Counties. Give us a call now, 08459 25 2000, or email chris at nakedscientist.com if you'd like to ask us any questions on science, technology and medicine. I have an email here from New York. It was uh, last week. It says, hello, when John was on the November 27th of uh, 2005 Naked Scientist programme, he says he saw a bright flash in the night sky and wondered if he was seeing a gamma ray burst. This was John, who I think was in Essex, and he said that he'd come out of the pub and had a, only had a couple of pints of lager, he said, didn't he? Uh, he came out of the pub and, and saw this bright light suddenly wink on in the sky and then it disappeared a short time later. And Mike Hobson, who was the guest last week, uh, wasn't really sure what it could have been. There's a number of things. It's, he said it certainly wasn't a gamma ray burst because your eyes aren't sensitive to that, so he couldn't have seen it. Well, Matthew, who sent him this email, says, there are a network of satellites that are used for a satellite telephone service called Iridium. They're in a low Earth orbit and have large solar panels that can catch sunlight and reflect it down to the Earth, and they appear as a bright flash which lasts several seconds, getting as bright in magnitude as minus 10 in some cases. And he gives me a web address uh, which gives some more information it's http slash slash satobs which is satobs.org forward slash iridium.html 
Hope this helps. Matthew is in New York in USA. He's obviously listening to us on our podcast. If you would like to have a listen to The Naked Scientist one week and you've unfortunately missed the show, then all you have to do is go to nakedscientist.com forward slash podcast and you can pick up our old show. It's there for download. You can listen to the programmes you've missed and any of the others, actually. They're all there for you to listen to again, so the educational experience is preserved. But if you want to ask any questions of us this evening, 08459 25 2000 or email me now, chris at nakedscientist.com. We're talking to from Cambridge University archaeologist Tamsin O'Connell and from Essex Police Alan Cook so if you want to get it onto them anything to do with science technology and medicine preferably related to forensics and archaeology for them just call now 08459 252000 yes and uh, you can uh, also do all sorts of things I've got a story here which is very amusing um, now there's a lot of research going into anti-aging And uh, ageing is all to do with with our DNA as well, because our genes are what tell us to age. And there's all sorts of scientists researching how DNA damage that we pick up might make our cells age. And as a a kind of educational tool, some people have made um, trading cards. So these are, you know, the top trumps cards that you used to play with at school with anti-ageing scientists on them. So you can have uh, Aubrey de Grey, who's a prophet of longevity. I think he's in Cambridge here. And uh, he has different points for different parts of his research. And uh, another researcher in Boston, Rudy Tanzi, who's breaking ground in the study of Alzheimer's. And, uh, and there's another one, Richard Miller, who's a geneticist who's breeding research mice who live forever, apparently. So I don't know where these are available from. Um, oh, yes, online at www.sagecrossroads.net. And uh, you can find out how old they are and uh, all these kind of things related to that, and maybe play top trumps. And another thing, if you're really interested in forensics and you want to find out more about animal forensics, so how do you know um, what sort of animals kill other animals and how they do that, you can get along to the Grant Museum down in London. So this is the Grant Museum of Zoology uh, down in Gower Street at London, because this Saturday, Saturday the 10th of December, between 1 and 4, they're doing a forensics... um, workshop it's called zoo csi and you can look at teeth marks and jaws from different animal crime scenes and work out whether it's a lion or a leopard or an elephant that's killed something Uh, you can find out about smell uh, how animals use smell to work out decomposition Uh, you can look at insects and the insects that get attracted to dead bodies so i think that'll be really fascinating they you can look at poo and cannabis and all sorts of stuff um, so Sounds th- like a trip to your living room. <laughs> yes, it is at the moment. Um, Grant Museum of Zoology. If you want to find out more, go to www.grant.museum.ucl.ac.uk. And uh, that's this Saturday. Entry is free, so if you're in London, hop along to the Grant Museum this Saturday. Dr Chris and Dr Katz here with you tonight through until seven, conducting radio's first ever live genetic fingerprinting race. We have schools right across the eastern counties. Let me just remind you who they are. In Billericay, at Billericay School in Essex, uh, we have a team there who are frantically trying to find out who's got stinky feet in the Naked Scientist. In Hertfordshire, it's Astley Cooper School. We, we spoke to Bradley over there. Mildenhall College of Technology are representing BBC Radio Suffolk. Norfolk, who we'll be talking to shortly, have a Down and Market High School, and we talk, we'll be talking to Kiernan from there. Uh, Northamptonshire have Southfield School for Girls and we'll be talking to Georgina shortly and here in Cambridge, uh, Meg is at Parkside Community College where they're also racing to try and work out who it is who's got stinky feet on the basis of their DNA fingerprint. 
But in the meantime, we are, of course, talking the science of forensics and the science of archaeology. And if you'd like to ask us any questions, 08459 is the number to call, or you can send me an email, chris at nakedscientist.com. Now, it turns out this week scientists have tracked down uh, where Ebola goes. Now, if you don't know what Ebola is, this is what's called a phylovirus. And this is one of those nasty hemorrhagic diseases which strikes people in Africa. And it first surfaced about 30 years ago, in about 1976. And since that time, it's caused out- outbreaks in, in about 1,500 people. And uh, it's very, very fatal. In other words, large numbers of people who catch this go on to die. What is it and where does it come from? It's very, very difficult to track down because it seems to cause these outbreaks and it also wipes out chimpanzees and gorilla populations, but then it disappears and no-one knows where it goes or even where it comes from and how it gets back into people again. So a guy who's in Gabon called Eric Leroy decided to go hunting for Ebola and so they laid some traps to try and catch lots of tiny animals around areas where there had been recent outbreaks of Ebola in big things like chimpanzees and gorillas and they caught over a thousand small animals and then they took blood samples from those animals and had a look at them to see if there was any signs of them being exposed to Ebola and what they found was that of all those animals about three showed signs of carrying Ebola and those three were three species of fruit bats so it looks like what's happening is that this disease is being harboured by bats and then they're periodically giving it back to people. How does it get into the people? Well, that's a bit of a mystery because fruit bats really eat fruit. They don't bite people usually. So what the researchers suspect is that some of these people in Africa are taking a leaf out of Ozzy Osbourne's book and they're actually eating these bats and in the course of eating them, they're giving themselves Ebola. So the evidence that is that you shouldn't eat bats in Africa but certainly not certain species of fruit bats. So if Ozzy does take a trip down to the Congo, we'll have to keep a very close eye on him. Stripping down science. Okay, let's do it. The Naked Scientists. Phone lines are open here on The Naked Scientists. If you'd like to ask us any questions about forensic science, how the police use science to solve crimes, or the science of archaeology from Cambridge University, Tamsin O'Connell is here to help us with that, and Alan Cook's here from Essex Police. But right now, let's talk live to Professor Sir Alec Jeffries from the University of Leicester, who has, uh, who actually wears the crown as the person who actually discovered the technique that school children right across East Anglia are using tonight. He was the guy that discovered the genetic fingerprint. Good evening, Alan. Oh, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Just tell us, what's involved in the process of performing genetic fingerprinting? Right, well, uh, the technology has, of course, evolved quite a lot since uh, 21 years ago when we got our first DNA fingerprint. So how it's done nowadays uh, is to start with a biological sample, which could be uh, a little bit of blood, saliva or whatever. First to extract the DNA from that, and then to amplify up using uh, a wonderful technology called the polymerase chain reaction, amplify up short sections of DNA that we know vary quite a lot from one person to another. Now, those, uh, that variation is in terms of variation in the length of the DNA. So the next stage is to then separate those fragments of amplified DNA by size uh, to measure the size of those fragments, which can, uh, for example, in a police laboratory, can now be done in an entirely automated fashion. And that digital information can then be stored on a DNA database, if you so wish. How much do we vary genetically from one person to the next? Oh, we're all absolutely unique genetically, unless you've got an identical twin, in which case you will be the same. In terms of number of differences, for example, between you and me, we're talking uh, well into the many, many millions of differences. But in DNA fingerprinting, we don't look at the whole lot. I mean, that's completely unnecessary. Uh, All you need to do is to pick out, for example, in forensic investigations now, uh, 
10, in the UK it's 10, in other countries it may be a few more, uh, highly variable sections of DNA are analysed, so only a tiny sampling of all diversity in the human genome. But that's all you need. How much DNA do you actually need to do a DNA fingerprint? Because presumably if someone were to go through the dustbin and find a letter with a stamp on it that I had licked, is that sufficient in order to recover my genetic profile? Oh yes, most certainly. Quite routinely in the work that we do, we, we, we carry out DNA analysis right down at the level of a single human cell or a single DNA molecule. And indeed, that we showed many years ago that you could extend that to DNA fingerprinting and recover sort of DNA fingerprints down at the level of a single cell. So it's very, very sensitive. So what are the chances of getting an incorrect result and potentially arresting the wrong person? Right, well, it's not zero. I mean, the so-called random match probability, so that would be the chance that your DNA profile is the same as mine, is about one part in 10 trillion. That's 10 to the minus 13. That's pretty low. Now, in addition to fingerprints, Alec, can we take it a step further now, or are we in a position to take it a step further now, so we can start to infer what people might look like on the basis of their DNA sequence? Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of interest in this. You can determine gender from DNA. You uh, can determine with reasonable accuracy uh, whether a person is a redhead or not. There is a test for eye colour, but it's pretty iffy, actually. There are markers out there that can give you clues about ethnic origin, but not very strongly so. And that's really about it. So all the sort of fanciful notions that you can plough into DNA, say, from a crime scene and recover uh, information, for example, on physical appearance, facial features or so, is uh, at the moment science fiction. And it's science fiction because we really, for example, with facial features, we really do not understand the genetic basis of, of how genes and their variations control you know, the length of the nose, how sticky out your ears are or whatever. But I think there's another issue that, that retrieving information like that, it, the current DNA typing systems uh, use sections of DNA where the variation is really pretty irrelevant to you as an individual. So that doesn't really raise, I don't think, major issues of genetic privacy. But if the police start looking at very important genetic characters, you know, for example, ethnic origin or facial appearance, markers that may well carry uh, significant disease associations, then I think that does raise very serious issues of genetic privacy and the issue of whether the police should be given the right to access that type of genetic information. And my argument would be, uh, no, they shouldn't be. Alec, thank you very much. Professor Sir Alec Jeffries from the University of Leicester, who discovered the technique of genetic fingerprinting. It's Dr Chris and Dr Cat as the Naked Scientists, live on BBC Local Radio in the Eastern Counties this evening. If you'd like to ask us a question on anything to do with science, technology and medicine, 08459 25 2000, or send me an email, chris at nakedscientist.com. And we've got, an, we've got an email here from Andrew Charlson, who is in Phoenix, Arizona, USA, another American. And he says, I love to listen to your show on the podcast. And he has a question for Tamsin. And um, he's heard rumours that there is a single origin place for the emergence of Homo sapiens, that's humans. And he wants to know if there's any scientific backing to this claim. So Tamsin, did we all come from one place and where was it? Well... It's pretty difficult to say exactly where we came from, but the uh, the evidence is stacking up that we came from Africa, all um, modern Homo sapiens, uh, probably about 100,000 years ago. And this is based on a combination of both uh, looking at Y-chromosome DNA, which is the uh, male line DNA, and also mitochondrial DNA, which you have to inherit from your mother. And there's a lot more diversity in Africa than anywhere else uh, on on what's called the haplotyping um, and it looks like we can track along the migration of humans around the world uh, and so Africa is, probably East Africa is looking 
pretty good as our as our origin. The Garden of Eden. Yeah. If you wind the clock back, Tamsin, what time? How far back in history do you have to go to to find that point where humans originated? Probably about a hundred thousand years, um, as as Homo sapiens, which is actually not very far back in it's terms not, is of it? human evolution. No, we, we split apart from uh, from the great apes about six million years ago, uh, and then there are various other hominin species uh, in those sort of intervening six million minus one hundred thousand years, and then modern Homo sapiens sapiens. Because in the last hundred thousand years or so, we've had at the same time living on Earth, we've had us. Yeah. Plus, we've had those Hobbit people. Yeah. In Flores yep. in Indonesia, and they were around until as, as recently as 12,000 yep. years ago, weren't they? And then there's deposits of Neanderthal yep. man, which is a, a, another relative of ours, and, until as recently as, what, 20 or 30,000 years 30, ago in, in parts yeah. of Germany and Spain. Yeah. I think there's still some hanging around in London, actually. <laughs> in your flat? Yeah. <laughs> the Naked Scientist, Dr Chris and Dr Kat, uh, we're taking science questions on anything to do with forensic science this evening. 08459 25 2000 is the number to call, or you can email me, chris at nakedscientist.com. Our competition this evening, Science Fact or Science Science fiction has up for grabs a mega magnifying glass from sciencesleuth.co.uk, which means you can turn yourself into a real, real-life sleuth. You can be a Miss Marple if you want, or you can be D.I. Alan Cook, who's here to help us, Messick's Police this evening. Or, if you also want uh, to go and do things with your eyes, you could go to the IMAX Theatre in London, where we'll send you and your family down to see a 3D movie. So get calling now, 08459 25 2000. Ron is on the line in Norfolk. Hello, Ron. Hi Thank you for joining us. You're live on The Naked Scientist. What's your question? Yeah, what is the uh, possibility of erroneous matching in DNA? I'm thinking of a case which I recorded. It was aired on TV, oh, eight, nine years ago, perhaps. I don't know. Time slips away. Um, and uh, this guy had been convicted, but he brought over um, an expert from the States who proved that there had been contamination so that the, the matching bars were not, in fact, matching uh, on the on the way it's done. I, I'm expressing myself badly, but I'm referring to those matching bars that uh, one sees on DNA. Uh, yeah, you, you get a sort of DNA barcode, That's right, uh, which yeah. is the fingerprint. And, and Alec Jeffries was kind of saying that when he said that we use just a few regions, and in some parts of Europe they use a few more regions mm. of DNA in order to improve the sensitivity yeah. of the test. But let's ask Alan, um, how common is it perceived? Alec Jeffries said that the chances of me matching you by chance is about one in ten trillion, so pretty small. But what's the chances of your database accidentally convicting me when it shouldn't, Alan? Basically, with the uh, number of strands we actually look at, it means that uh, your, your chances of it being someone else um, is about one in a billion. The biggest problem that you have uh, with DNA, uh, as opposed to, say, something like a fingerprint, if you actually leave your fingerprint at a crime scene, then there's absolutely no doubt at all that it's uh, you that's been there because uh, it cannot have been left at the scene by anyone else. If, however, it's DNA, then there is the question that you have to eliminate about the possibility of that having been brought in, um, you, you know, via cross-contamination, brought in by someone else. So it, it is a very real issue for us in investigations, but it's something that we, you know, we have to go through with the investigation and, you know, make, make sure we try and rule out. Yeah, worth um, bearing in mind that you need just literally one molecule, as, as Alec Jeffries was saying, one molecule of DNA, that's one cell, and... Every second, you lose from your body a roughly 40,000 skin cells, which, if you added the weight of them up over a lifetime, would come to about one and a half stones in dead skin. But it's highly likely that in amongst those, um, Ron, there's going to be some viable cells with viable DNA. So just by literally coughing on a crime scene, someone can potentially deposit their DNA there. Yes, I wasn't really referring to that so much as the possibility of contamination in the, uh, in the assessment in the lab. 
Well, laboratories should exercise very rigorous protocols to make sure that once the sample leaves the crime scene and is in the lab, and I'm sure Alan will back me up on this, that there, there isn't any facility and capacity for the, for the specimen to become contaminated in the laboratory. In, integrity of exhibits is absolutely key to, to everything mm, yeah, that we do. Yeah, that's what I was saying to. Yeah, when we actually take something from a crime scene, uh, there's a full continuity of, of that sample right the way through to the lab, mm. and therefore, you, you know, that, that should be then uh, eliminated. Uh-huh. OK. R- Ron, do you want to have a quick go at the quiz? <laughs> Sorry, I, I missed that one. What was the question? Oh, well, you just have to answer a question and tell us if you think it's science fact or science fiction. OK. OK, here we go. An object is blue, like the boys in blue, because it absorbs blue light but reflects lights of any other colour. Is that science fact or science fiction? That's fact. No, it's the other way around. Um, yes, oh, the, the colour of an object is determined by the light that it reflects. So a blue object reflects blue light and it absorbs all other colours. Ah, that's uh, really bad luck. That's OK. Thanks, Ron. I'll go and have my dinner now. Thank you for joining us on the programme. <laughs> it's been great to have you on. Okay, all right. The Naked Scientist, Dr Chris and Dr Kat, talking this evening about forensics and the science of behind archaeology. If you'd like to give us a call, 08459 25 2000. We are, of course, conducting radio's first ever live DNA fingerprinting race across East Anglia. Let's go across now to Downham Market and have a chat to Kiernan, who's there. Hi, Kiernan. Hey. How's it going there? It's fine, thanks. You, you realise that someone's criminal record hangs in your hands, potentially, today? Well, we're here to find out. You could be convicting, well, you will be convicting, one of the naked scientists of having criminally smelly feet. <laughs> but um, any, any inkling yet as to who the criminal might be? We've got no idea, but I'm putting my hands on Pedro just because he has a dodgy name. Oh, you got, you, you got, you're, just because of his name, you're saying a Pedro is the guy that could be responsible for this? Yeah, but we haven't had a look yet, so... OK, well, it's good speculation, so give us a potted history of what you've done today. Well, after taking the DNA samples out of the tubes, we added the enzymes, which sort of made a solution. And we then put them in an incubator at 37 degrees C, which is basically just a big tub of water, yeah. heated. And yeah. uh, after that, we took them out, added the blue dye, which means we could then put them in the well so they'd show up, because the um, DNA is actually, the solution's clear yeah. until we add the blue dye. And now you're going to put that on the gel and run it down the gel? Yeah. So you added the DNA, and then what did you do? Well, we uh, put it into this sort of almost an electric tank filled with what seems like water, yeah. which is actually called a buffer. Yeah. And after doing that, we used the micro pipette yeah. to take the DNA out of the tubes and yeah. put it in the wells. And now we've um, connected it to the connected it to the uh, power socket, and it's on 100 volts at the moment. Okay. So we've been running that for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and it's. Slowly, it looks like it's pushing the DNA along in strands. So, so you can actually see the blue where the DNA is moving down the jelly? Separating the DNA. Fantastic. So it's actually working? Yeah, it's working. Do, do you actually... Can you tell us, why does the electricity make, make that happen? Well, we have the DNA wells at the negative end, and as the negative charge moves through, the, the DNA, which is also negative, is pushed along, it's like a magnet. So if it's saying if you put south and south together, they're pushed away from each other. Yeah. So as the DNA moves along the gel, the small bits move faster than the big bits, so yeah. they're going to be separated. And that's how we can see different lines of DNA. And that's what generates the barcode yeah. that is the genetic fingerprint? Yep. So, obvious question is, who's going to win? Oh, we are, definitely. Yeah, are you confident? Yeah, we're confident. 100% confident? 90%? How, you know, how confident is it going? 150% confident. And, and how's it... 150? Oh, my yeah. God. Wow, I think the other schools have got a serious competitor on their hands then. Oh, we have, they have indeed. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, thanks for bringing us up to speed. That's all right.
and that was Kiernan in Down Market High School in Norfolk. And the pressure's really mounting here. I'm desperate to know who it is. I swear it's not me. I washed today. I think the smelly feet is either Chris or Anna because she looks so glamorous, but I think her feet stink. Who is it going to be? And there's a prize in it for the winning school in that they're going to win all the equipment that they've been using today. So the, the heat is on to who's going to find the fastest uh, answer to our question. Now, if you think that Petro with a dodgy name just sits in the studio, he doesn't. He does a very useful job scanning the World Wide Web, looking for podcasts for us. And uh, you can listen up on the Naked Scientist podcast pick. And this week he's found a selection from Eric Phillips from Imagine That Radio, who's been looking at software that the FBI use to compress and store their data. Guess what? Computers now create programs that solve tough problems better than programs designed by people. Take digitizing fingerprints. These days, the FBI stores digital images of almost 50 million sets of them, compressed by a computer program designed by humans. And they add about 5,000 new sets every day. As any digital camera owner knows, image files are large, and despite the many forms of compression, it's tough to maintain image resolution or clarity when a graphic is compressed. But when the image data means innocent or guilty, accuracy is a must. The FBI's human design program compresses images to one-fifteenth their normal bite size. But researchers at the University of Texas at Austin thought they might do better leaving the job to a machine. They used genetic algorithms, computer programs that simulate evolution and survival of the fittest, to let the computer create its own program. After receiving basic instructions for image compression, the computer progressed through hundreds of generations of new and better programs. The final result was much more efficient than the human design program, a case of computers coming up with creative new solutions human experts miss. So it seems genetic algorithms may have potential you can really put your finger on. You're listening to the BBC Naked Scientist in the Eastern Counties, and that was uh, Eric, Eric Phillips from Imagine That Radio. And if you want to find out more about Imagine That Radio, then hop over to um, nsf.gov. And we want your podcasts. We want you to send us in your interesting science technology stories as an MP3 file about a minute, a minute and a half long. Email it to us at chris at thenakedscientist.com. And the best ones get broadcast as each week's Petro's podcast pick. 08459 25 2000 or email chris at nakedscientist.com if you'd like to ask us a question. We are, of course, racing to identify a foul-footed felon. We have six schools across East Anglia who are trying desperately to, uh, to reveal the identity of who it's going to be. No one here knows, but we've had a speculation on Dr. Cat so far. Someone's condemned Petro on the basis of his name, and uh, my name's in there as well, so I'm kind of praying it's not me. But someone has got stinky feet, and their socks were found in the showers. Who's it going to be? Well, we're, tension's really mounting here, and shortly we're going to be going over to Georgina, who's in Southfield High School for Girls in Northampton. Fancy listening to the naked scientists in your bed, <laughs> on your way to work, or even at work? Why not subscribe to our podcast? For more information, visit nakedscientist.com forward slash podcast. The Naked Scientist, Dr Chris and Dr Kat, here with you on BBC Local Radio right across the eastern counties until 7 o'clock. We're taking your science questions on anything to do with forensics and the science of archaeology. 08459 25 2000 is our phone number. Or email me, chris at nakedscientist.com. Got an email from Eth Malfitchett, who is in Suffolk. He says, I've heard that bone marrow transplants can wreak havoc with DNA testing. Is this the case? And if so, how can the problem be resolved? 
You're right, Eth. A bone marrow transplant can cause a problem because what you essentially become is a mixture of two people. Someone takes away your normal bone marrow and replaces it with the bone marrow of somebody else in order to make up for the damage that's happened to your own bone marrow, for instance, if you have leukaemia or a disease like that. And that means that you not only have your own DNA in the tissue in most of your body, but you also now have somebody else's. So potentially you leave behind two DNA fingerprints at a crime scene and you could therefore implicate the person who was your donor. And I believe there might even be some cases of that happening, although Alan, Alan did say he was sh shaking his head. You're not, you're not aware of any cases in this country, at least not in Essex. Not that I know of, and I have to say, as a bone marrow donor, then that actually sort of <laughs> leaves some interesting implications for me, but there you go. OK, let's uh, catch up with now our DNA fingerprinting race because the tension is really mounting. Who's it going to be? We're hoping that before the end of the show, within the next 15 minutes, we're going to know who this person is on the basis of their genetic fingerprint with stinky feet who abandon their smelly socks in our showers. Let's head over now to Southfield High School for Girls where we're going to talk to Georgina. Hi there. Hi. Thanks for joining us on the programme. How's it going at your end? It's great. Yeah? Are you having a lot of fun? Yep. So, you, so you've added the dye to the DNA... Yeah. Then and then what did you do? Uh, we've got a gel, and um, it's like a jelly, like what you eat trifle with. Sounds tasty. Yeah, and <laughs> and then um, we put a, a solution in it, which is a buffer. Yeah. Uh, which keeps the DNA together. Yep. And well, then we um, put all the like DNA samples into um, the wells in yeah. the jelly. Okay. And then. And um, what's happening? So far, we've got two bands um, of colours. Right. So we've got one band of dark blue yep. and one band of uh, a lighter blue. So it's working. You're doing a brilliant job. Yes. Any clues yet as to who you think the person with the stinky feet might be? Which suspect uh, do you reckon? Uh, I don't know, but I've got a feeling it's number four for some reason. <laughs> mm, that's Holly. Why do you? What have you got against Holly? <laughs> Nothing, I just thought, oh, I'll pick number four. Well, I wish you luck, and I bet Holly's wishing you n you don't win uh, for what you've just said to her. <laughs> but good luck with it, all right? OK. Well, thanks for joining us. Bye. Dr Chris and Dr Kat here with you as the Naked Scientist live on BBC Local Radio in the Eastern Counties. We're trying to find out who the culprit is with the stinky feet and very shortly we'll be catching up with Meg who's at Parkside in Cambridge and uh, we're getting very close now. The protocol only takes about an hour and we've had 45, 50 minutes so we should be getting an answer very, very soon. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be Kat? Is it going to be Petro? Is it going to be Anna? Is it going to be Holly? We've already had Petro condemned on the basis of his name alone. Right, let's have a quick chat to Ariane, who's in Cambridge. Hi, Ariane. Hello. How are you? Um, I was just wondering if um, there's such thing that could erase or change DNA. In what way could it, do you, do you mean change? Well, just like, um, sort of like, change like into someone else's or something, or into entirely new DNA. Well, you can definitely get rid of DNA, because there are enzymes that your body makes itself, actually, and, and also which are very much present in the environment, and they're called DNAs enzymes and that means that literally they eat like pac-man dna so they chew their way through a dna chain and break it up and they're quite common so you can definitely get rid of dna and also if you add chemicals which bust things apart and ultraviolet light can also do this so if you leave dna in the sun it will break it down and as tamsin said if you have a combination of sun and water such as in the desert then not only does it get bust up by the sun it gets washed away too so you can definitely get rid of dna whether you're actually going to change dna that's very different that happens naturally in all of us because there's a process called mutation which is when your dna accidentally sw switches a few of the dna letters around and that 
that's what gives people cancer. But there's not actually a technique where you can physically change bits of DNA at a crime scene, for instance, to implicate somebody. The best way to do that is literally to just sprinkle some of their DNA at the scene and implicate them, wouldn't you say, Alan? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, so, that, so I cut you off, sorry. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, spread someone else's DNA around, but uh, that's the only way you'll get it in there. OK, I, I hope that answers your question, Ariane, does it? I've got a second question. Oh, God, you have to be very quick, because we're very short for time. Can Go I on, have then. your autograph? You can have... You want my autograph? <laughs> Do you want Dr Cat's smelly socks? What do you say? Do you want Dr Cat's smelly socks? Yeah! All right, then. Do you want a quick go at the quiz? Win yourself uh, a, ma a mega magnifying glass or a 3D movie IMAX tickets for your whole family. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. An average person living in London walks about 250 miles a year. Science fact or science fiction? Science fact. You are absolutely right. Yes, the average Londoner walks around 237 miles a year, make it nearly 250. I feel I walk that a week, I tell you. Brilliant. So far, Ariane, you're a winner because you, you've actually you've definitely got one of those two prizes, all right? We'll put you in the hat. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. All right, see you later. Bye. Take care. Right, now we're going to go over to Parkside School in Cambridge for an update from Meg as to how our genetic fingerprinting race is going. It's getting very close now. We're going to be getting an answer, we hope, any time in the next five minutes. Who's going to be the suspect? Let's find out. Hi, Meg. Hi, how are you? All right, how's it going there? It's going really well. Our experiment's going really, really well. So tell us, what have you been doing? Well, um, we've been testing uh, for DNA and match the samples, so we've been d we're just up to the staining process. And in the staining process, um, we've put some gel, um, some staining on. Yeah. And after that, that's stay for a little while. We rinse it off and then um, rinse it a couple times because then the DNA sticks to the stain and then we're able to see. And is anything coming up yet? Well, um, we, it's so exciting because we're just about to finish and there's, le there's about one to two minutes left. Wow. Yeah. Have you enjoyed doing the experiment? Yeah, everyone's really enjoyed themselves. It's, Have they? Yeah, it really has been really good. What would you say to other people if um, they had the opportunity to do an experiment like this? Go for it. Definitely. It's been a really good experience. And we're just about um, to finish. We've got less than three minutes now to... And we'll find out our results. Everyone's really excited in the background. You reckon you're going to win? I reckon we've got a very good chance of winning. OK, it better not keep you from your experiment any longer. All right, then. Cheers, Meg. Bye. Bye. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Dr Anna, Dr Chris, Dr Petro, Dr Holly or Dr Cat? We're going to be finding out in the next few minutes. It is Dr Chris and Dr Cat here as the Naked Scientist this evening. Uh, we are tracking down someone who is a suspect in the Foul-Footed Felon League. Someone abandoned a really stinky pair of socks in the changing rooms and we want to know who it is. We've got five suspects. I'm unfortunately on that list because I was seen going into those changing rooms. They won't believe it wasn't me. My money is on Cat. But no! someone, someone is on the phone with the answer. Who is it? It's Anita here from the Binaraki School. In Essex. Have you got a little support crowd there, Anita? Yeah. Get them to give us a cheer. Yay! OK, right. Uh, now, you've got some answers for us. Yeah. I want to see if you've co correctly convicted the right felon. OK, I'm going to give you the list of samples and I'm going to ask you, after each one, if you find them guilty or not guilty. Do you understand? OK, yes. OK, sample number one. That's Anna. Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. 
Sample number five, that's Dr Cat. Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. Yes, yes. Ooh, sample number two, this is me. Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. Oh, what a relief that is. Uh, sample number three and four, that leaves. That's number three is Petro and number four is Holly. Hang on one second, Anita. Right, well, you two... What have you got to say for yourself? Does anyone want to fess up now and save yourself the ignominy of the truth coming out from the DNA evidence? It's definitely not me. It's not me either, Chris. (laughs) Okay, you leave me no choice. Anita? Okay, sample number four. That's Holly. Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. That leaves one. Sample number three. Petro. Do you find Petro guilty or not guilty? Guilty. It's Petro, is it? Yeah. Right. Well, I'm pleased to tell you that you have correctly identified the right person. It was Petro. Do you want the good news now? Yes, please. You were the fastest school to complete the fingerprinting task. So, Billericay School in Essex, you have won. So, do I take it by that reaction that you're quite pleased, then? Yeah, really happy! So, would you advise other people to do this? Have you had fun doing this experiment? Yeah, it's really good. It's been great fun. What have you learned from it? Um, a lot. <laughs> what's, what's your fondest memory? The teamwork, experience, and and the use of equipment. And- Sorry, you don't have to cry, Anita. It's OK. We understand it's an emotional time. <laughs> Before I- before I go, I'd like to introduce the rest of my team. Is that okay? Please do. Tell us, tell us who they are. Simon Robertson, Marcus Chappell, and Daniel Fryer. They're a good team, obviously. Well done to all of them. Thank you. All right. Thank you for taking part, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. And well done for winning. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye. Petro. It's a fix. I don't wear pink socks. Uh, Just for the record, I'm now showing the suspect Exhibit A, which is a sealed plastic bag, thankfully, and it contains in it a pair of pink and green ankle warmers, as seen on Fame and the like in the 1980s, and a pair of pink socks with white rabbits and matching underwear. (laughs) Petro, is this yours? It's not, Chris. It's a fix. I've been set up. Um, Alan, do you have your cuffs with you? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I've got them here. Could you, um, do you want to read him his rights? Yeah, it'd be a pleasure. Off you go. Anything he wears can be taken down and used in evidence, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Petro, you are the stinkiest link. Get out. It's not true. It's not true. Well, the guys who made that all possible were BioRad, which is a, a very big international company, actually, but they have an arm to their company where they specialise in bringing science to schools and to young people and trying to enthuse them about science and make it more understandable and fun. I think you can safely say, Dominic Delaney from Biorad, you have succeeded. Great. Well, I'm really pleased. Well done to Billericay School for the, the world's first DNA fingerprinting race. And I'm pleased to say they're going to get the whole set of stuff so they can do it again whenever they get there. So, do that. Do- Dominic, you're essentially saying you're donating to Billericay School all the kit so that they can continue to do these kind of things in future? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're really pleased that they won. And what we'll do for all the other schools, we'll give them um, a set of stuff to do the DNA extraction experiment as well. So everyone gets to do some more experiments. So everyone is a winner tonight. Absolutely. Science is the winner. <laughs>
Okay, well, we've got just a couple of seconds left of the programme. Very soon we're going to be finding out who so far is winning our prize, which is we've got an IMAX 3D movie ticket for a family ticket, actually. You can take your whole family down to London to see a a 3D film, and that's really funky. It's where you wear those funny glasses and all of the pictures seem to come out of the screen at you. Absolutely fantastic. If you want to go to that, give us a call now because you could still win 08459 25 2000. There's also some super sleuth magnifying, fantastic magnifying glass, mega magnifying glass from Science Sleuth. .co.uk still up for grabs might just be able to squeeze in one more person before the top of the hour uh, I have a very quick email here from uh, someone in Mexico who is uh, Abraham Cavedo who's in Mexico and he says hi Chris I've followed the show for some time now and I can say it's a great way to make available science to the general public and it's also very entertaining I love the show and I expect to hear it for a long time congratulations and keep on going with your science show thanks and best regards so thank you very much to you we haven't had anyone where, where haven't we had an email from yet we're exotic did we, we have from? Guatemala we haven't had anyone from Guata- or guacamole even yeah. um i i'd like someone from malaysia if anyone knows anyone in malaysia get them listening to the naked scientists or hong kong somewhere exotic i think hong kong we've definitely heard we had from. hong kong yeah japan we had some actually phone in from japan but we haven't actually had an, an email from the podcast yet from yeah. japan or uh, antarctica ah but we did have we did have um a, a girl phone in from antarctica in march that's true she yeah. was down there doing research and she phoned up to talk to lloyd peck Oh. On, the, on our environment show. So go. we have that, that counts. I, I think. think the Far East. We're raising the bar in the Far East. Malaysia, mm. Burma, anywhere like that. Let's have someone from Well, there. let's have some suggestions from you guys. Can you think of an exotically named com- country that we would like to hear from a podcast listener from? I think a Polynesian island, definitely. We've got to have Fiji, Samoa, or something like that. We've, we've had the Philippines, so oh, that's really? kind of nice. But we haven't had Fiji. That would be great, wouldn't yeah. it? Okay. Well, we're sort of running out of time, so it remains for me to say a very huge thank you to everyone who's been involved this evening. Once again, to BioRad, Dominic Delaney and Melanie Hanna, who helped to set this whole thing up, which has had schools right across the county racing against each other. I'm going to read all the names of the schools out because they gave up their time to do this. In Billericay, who won, you heard, um, they're in Essex, so well done to them, they won. Uh, Astley Cooper School were in Hertfordshire. Mildenhall College of Technology uh, were representing BBC Radio Suffolk, and they came uh, second, actually. Uh, Down and Market High School in Norfolk, uh, we spoke to Kiernan, you heard there, uh, they, they did pretty well too. Um, also, Southfield School for Girls in Northamptonshire, they did quite well, but they weren't in the top three. And Parkside Community College uh, in Cambridge, uh, they, they unfortunately came in in last place, but well done. Um, you've all done absolutely brilliantly. Now I'm going to say a very big thank you to everyone who helped to put the show together this evening. From Essex Police, Alan Cook, thank you very much for coming in and helping us out. Pleasure. Okay, it's been great having you on the programme to talk forensic science. And Tamsin O'Connell, who answered all those hard archaeology questions, thank you very much for joining us no once problems, again. No problems, Chris. Okay, now, next week on our show, we're going to be heading off for kitchen science again. We'll be going to Alexander and Sam's Kitchen, that's in Cambridge, and our, our kitchen science posse, Derek and Dave, will be doing some vibrational experiments. Now, what they're going to do is use sound waves to shatter glasses. This is really interesting. They're going to use a certain type of sound wave in the same way that an opera singer can sing a very high note and make your windows vibrate. They're going to be doing that and they're going to demonstrate how it's possible to use sound to break glasses. And you can hear that happening live from Sam and Alexander's kitchen on next week's Naked Scientist. And actually, on next week's show, it's all about the science of animal communication. We'll be catching up with how chimpanzees use language and other animals interpret language as well. So, if you would like to take part in that, Naked Scientist, 6 o'clock next week. Sorting out the sparks from the quarks. The Naked Scientists. For more information, get online at nakedscientists.com. 
thinking about your next career move in research and development? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that's investing £20 billion in R&D over the next two years. The nation that's home to four of the world's top research universities. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.